everyone. Welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for His church. It is our hope with the show that we will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are thankful and excited that you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined with my co-host, as always, my brother, pastor, and friend, Eric Moran. How are you doing today, brother? Doing mighty well, brother. How about yourself? I'm all right, man. We've had a we've had a wonderful little chat. I I swear, audience, that we have had we've already we've already had this entire episode in a conversation, and it was beautiful, and it was encouraging, and it was convicting, and um, I just pray that it, with this translates into the episode, and that uh, everyone will be encouraged by by this, because I I do think that this is a hot topic, and we definitely need to discuss it um, and kind of dive into dive into it so that we can have a fuller understanding and appreciation of what we actually have been invited into. And so today we'll be talking about the selfish gospel and the selfless gospel. So I know that we, um, you have a couple of things that you um, want to get to immediately. So let's go ahead and if I guess what we'll do really fast is we'll kind of give a, a premise of the Let's just do the selfish gospel first. Let's do a premise of the selfish gospel and then the selfless gospel, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty and how they're different and where the tension lies in those two. All right, so when we started out, it was going to be the prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason that was was it was going to be putting attention to one word is kind of how I had it in my head. And the way that you've broken it up is actually easier for the person to read and connect to as far as the invitation as they read it off of a site or something like that. Right. When we look at the prosperity gospel, it's the selfish gospel if it is about mankind. Right. It's a selfless gospel if it's about God. Right. And we know that Jesus came for the glory of his Father and to make his Father available and known. Mm-hmm. So us to God the Father through him, and yet him from the Father to us. And that is supposed to be what makes us prosperous. That is supposed to be the gift is in Christ and through him in, into what we can't even fathom. Right. Um, the exchange for that, when most people think of a self-centered or a self-ish gospel, would be what I think of with prosperity gospel. It's your health and your wealth and your affluence and um, your comfort, your security, your well-being, your luxury. Um, literally, when you look up prosperity, it's a state of being prosperous. Hmm. So... That word being is really important because ontology is the study of being. Correct. Um, And your being is either in the story of God or it's not. Mm. And if your story is outside of God, then the only things you can go after is your comfort, your security, your wealth, your well-being. And it ends up with a story that starts with you and ends with you. And God would say that's darkness and death. Ding, ding, ding. All right. And then the opposite of that would be life, which means no matter where you are or the things that are going on in your story, you are still wealthy if you know the love of God. Amen. You can still find comfort as you struggle. And like you had said while we were talking, we're all going to struggle. Yeah. <laughs> but 
you get to be real about your struggle inside yeah. of a real hope of things that are going on, not one day when I die, but going on now. Mm. And the more that becomes your real story, the more you get into the selfless gospel, the selfless good news, the story of a relationship that we could never have purchased. Mm. We definitely don't deserve However, it's absolutely true because God can't change. That's what makes him God. Right. So inside of the gospel of Christ, the gospel of God, when we get over to Mark 1, he says, you know, here he came out proclaiming the gospel of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, proclaiming means it's the first time it was ever told. Right. And it was God-centered instead of man-centered because of the speaker and who he was and what he was going to accomplish. It says the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. All you need to do is return, repent to what you originally created for mm-hmm. and believe. Right. Well, as you believe and you try to reconnect to what we've lost, that becomes your story. Yeah. So your good is now for your good is now leading you into hope through the bad you've been through and the bad you'll continue to find out about because a lot of times we've buried so many things that we're not willing to look at because Mm -hmm. we didn't have the hope and the assurance to do it. And that's what makes the gospel truly prosperous for the the believer. Your being is now found in God. Your story is now found in God. Without that, your being and your story is found in this world, and you know it's finite, and you know it's limited, and you know that it's slipping through your fingers and it leads to anxiety and stress and, and, and all the other conditions that we have labels for now. Right. Well, I, I think so. I want to just throw this in really fast inside of the world. I mean, we have Jesus saying here in um, John chapter 15, verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, know that it, it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we can find our contrast. I mean, we find a little bit of the contrast inside of it. I mean, in inside of the truth claim that Jesus makes there, that if you're finding your your um, your provision inside of the world, inside of your comfort, that that's not what Christ has invited us into at all. And I, I would even go as far as to say the reason that the the spirit of the world. Mm-hmm which is the anti-Christ spirit, because Christ said you're going to lose the love of yourself for the love of God and others. Amen. And then you would find yourself. Yeah. But if that's going to be your story, don't be surprised when the story of the world hates you because you're no longer in that matrix. You're no longer in that story. Right. Um, to where the reason that's so important right now is, no matter how hard times get right now or how uncertain things may become or all of the luxuries and the things that we're accustomed to could be taken away, mm. you're still going to be in the same story. Amen. And that story could be inside of a gospel that says you can make a difference as you're going, regardless of what's going on around you versus being in the grips of fear and anger and guilt and hiding as you go to the grave. Yeah. And I mean, those are, I said before you slice and death. I mean, I, I can just kind of feel Moses on that one. It's like, how could you like say, Oh no, I'll just choose the, the suffering and the anxiety. <laughs> but if you turn on CNN every night or Fox to watch with, Oh, I wonder what happened. Oh my gosh, the world's going to end. Yeah. You need to turn it off and you need to get your Bible out. 
and you need to prepare to be there for your kids regardless of what happens or your spouse regardless of what happens or even just being assured in the core of who you are because of the word of God, the story of God, the gospel, it's important right now because things could change, mm -hmm. but it's no different than it's ever been. Right. It's the same, it's the same thing. And I, I find it interesting that people still struggle with the world. You know, is the world going to end? Yes. Yes. It's going to end. Yeah, it is. God has clearly said in his word, he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. That means this one has to end, right? And we struggle with that because the eternity is stamped on the heart. That's what Ecclesiastes teaches us. Correct. And ultimately, that means your story was you were created for eternity. And everything that you are worried about and thinking about is finite. Yeah, it's material. And there's there's a contradiction in terms in your own heart and mind. Right. And that's and that, I think that's what, that's what. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I was just saying. I think that that's the that's the rub with people. They don't. They don't want to come to grips with that 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 is reality, that they they prop up their perception more than we should be objectively looking at reality when God has made a truth claim and in the end we're going to say amen to His claim. Um, and anything else that we are trying to do, we're just trying to. I just don't know. I'm in such a point now where I just don't want to prolong the deception anymore. You know what I mean? I don't want to continue to feed the deception because I've been lied to before. And nobody likes opera. Like when you finally discover the truth, you realize how much you've wasted on a lie. And God is so loving and merciful and gracious. And he is just inviting us into the reality of he's like, I'm, I love you. And I'm trying to tell you. And Jesus even says, I, <laughs> I, I'm telling you these things so that you're not surprised by it. You're not caught off guard that you won't fall away from me. This is to keep us in that intimate relationship with him. And that's the invitation. And it's like when he says, bring, bring me everything that troubles you, he means it. And I, I don't know. I just want to encourage people to truly do the, I mean, really bring it to him, really set before him, really, enter into it and that he's invited us invited us into boundless intimacy with him and we and, we, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to sit in front of that right now and that's heavy well an intimacy means a relationship right you're not right. a religion well no, yeah yeah absolutely and it's not something you read in a book that's 2,000 years old because whether you're an unbeliever or you're just not to the point where you've totally given up your demand for intellectual understanding and moved into faith as long as it's just a book you feel like you're not part of it right but intimacy means when you lay on your bed at night he's there when you're walking around your job he's there when you're struggling with your thoughts he's there, he's there. He, he he's not someone you conjure he's not something that you go and do on sunday it's an awareness that you and him are now connected without separation. Sin is separation, not what you do, Amen. but what had separated us was the curse of sin. You were born into the iniquity out, out of your mother's womb. We were born separated. So with us having the message of a way, the door, salvation, we have to make this real practical as far as the, the two Gospels. And if you look outside at life and you think what you see out there is going to be brought by you through your mind and into your heart to where what you do is going to be because of what you thought and you were going to prove it 
yourself, you're going to prove to yourself what's in your heart. You are playing the devil's game. Mm. Um, That's the spirit of antichrist. In other words, I don't need Christ to bring me to God. I'm going to get to God by the things I do and the things I say and the things I see. And I'm trying to work from my mind to the world. And what I see in the world back to my mind is what I think is going on in my heart. And I'm in control of all of that. So all of that comes with a burden and a weight. I'm still not good enough. I still continue to pretend. So that makes me a hypocrite when I read my Bible. I mean, that's literally what Jesus calls me. And I'm trying trying my best so I go to people that I believe are are ahead of me, but they just learn how to pretend and judge you. So they give you what they tell you to do, and you can't even do what you started out to do. And it just continues to heap inside of the Genesis 3 spirit of the, the world, which is scared, then hiding, then blaming, then being cursed with the life that you work at and live all the way to murdering because you just steal from everyone because you're trying to, to feel something that only God can feel. Yeah. All right. And that's going on in everyone's heart that hasn't fallen in love with the true gospel. Hmm. And the true gospel is out of the heart overflows through the mind and then everything in perceived reality this world is a teaching lesson from a god that loves you and knows everything yeah you get to be honest about what's wrong in your mind because of the assurance of what he's done in your heart ezekiel 36 jeremiah 31 31 Mm -hmm. as you believe that and start to counsel your mind this is by the holy spirit the one that's in right relationship with god that's been set apart Mm -hmm. you start to realize you're living a different story than most of the people around you but don't be surprised if they hate you for it yeah because misery loves company and they're not going to enjoy the spirit of god you know i think the little meme is like you know your spirit irritates their demons type thing but at the end of the day you're rubbing against them now you should do that in love and you should always honor and respect and and there's there's things that even then you're learning as you're going but the bottom line is the the gospel that god gave us through the blood of christ is to set us free Mm -hmm. and and free to do that intimate relationship like you were talking about where when i lay down the conversation's still going because the conversation's always going. Right. Because I can trust him and he knows everything. I don't have to hide. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I, I honestly think that that's, <clears throat> I think, that, I mean, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, that's where we look in, and I, I'm trying to figure out where it, where it says it in John, but it says, Oh, there it is. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will cl- declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And he says, I only have what I've received from the Father. Yeah. Everything has always been the Father's. Yep. The Son is now made available to the kingdom of those that are in the kingdom. Right. So that you don't have to live like things are going to run out. You get to live with the fact that this isn't, this is just a revelation. This is just a middle ground. This is a, this is not our home. We're passing through like sojourners. 
but we are the temple set apart. So let me ask you a question. When you hear the word profane, what do you think of? Profane? Uh... Yeah, like in the scripture. Like if I used it, like when you're reading whatever version you're reading, and it says uh, they did profanity or they, 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 they did, there was a profane thing in the temple. Oh, uh, something that doesn't belong there or using it for a purpose that it's not intended for. Okay, so the word profane, I always thought was like disrespectful or, you know, profanity. You know, when yeah, we, yeah. we used, don't use profanity. Um, it, the word profane means common. Huh. Interesting. And the bottom line is, and you can go look that up, like through Logos, the, the, the word profane literally means common. Mm-hmm. Well, what are the people of God? They're not common. They are holy. Yeah, set apart. Set apart. Oh, the word holy means to be set apart. So the things that were in the temple that were profane were the common things. Hmm. So, like, in other words, your football stats or your political views yep. or your whatever, whatever it is that you like on the common as you're going. Right. There's nothing. There's nothing. It's not like there's it's not like they're profane words. They're common words. They're 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 the words everybody uses. Mm-hmm. So. They're the words that you wouldn't be surprised to hear on Monday at work, but you should be surprised to hear them in the people that say they're the people of God in the house of God because they don't belong there because they're set apart for what? The purpose for which they were created. Correct. But the word profane was, it just clicked in my head one day. I mean, once again, I was reading, and then when I read that, it just clicks that, okay, so you're no longer in the common story. Right. You are in a set apart story. Right. But holy doesn't mean it made you perfect. Holy means it made you your messed up self inside of the gospel, which is grace. And you get to, for the first time, see you as you because you don't have to hide and you don't have to be scared and you don't have to blame and you don't have to. And for the first time, you get to fall in love with the God that sent you here. Yeah. It's calling you home. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, it's. Where is it, the thing? Well, I, well I, so I, I, I think it's. I think it's beautiful because that frees you from having to play the game that everyone else is playing and you can walk in the freedom and the truth of who God has said that you are. I mean, I, I think of uh, John 15 where Jesus, you know, is saying, talking about abiding in the true vine. And he says that, you know, you will be pruned so that you can bear more fruit. But then he throws in this line and he says, you know, but don't, don't condemn yourself. Remember that you have been, Wash clean because of the words that I have spoken to you, because of the invitation, because, you know, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. I've made this available. And as you as you walk through it, that this is not against you, it is it is for you, but it's leading you unto selflessness, basically. But that inside of that selflessness is the beginning stages of entering into the gospel, because the the because the gospel is not our truth right it's god's truth it's god's invitation unto men that's what it is and if in walking in that selflessness is like the first thing inside it like it's not about it's not all about you it's about god and it's god's story and yes you've been invited into god's story so your story matters and that's beautiful and that part of it if you need to like that's cling on to that for a little while you know god's god will give you grace in that aspect but the more that I have walked in it and the more that God is revealing to me, it's just like, that's so it's, it's gotta stay back there. It's gotta stay back there. Because if, if I can, if you continue to try and salvage that and save that and make that the main goal, you will lose your life. Um, 
you know, and, and therefore you're, you're basically going to be separated because you want it to be about you. And that's that selfish gospel, selfish good news yeah. that you have to manifest. Right. And every day that pressure's on you mm-hmm. and you're a witness unto yourself on your good days. It's good. On your bad days, it's bad. Yep. And most of the time you try and make your bad days good in your own mind. Yeah. Um, you really don't have anyone you can trust to be real with. In other words, to be vulnerable with, to be weak with, because then somebody could tear your story down. Right. Instead, the witnesses of Jesus was the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. witness to him before the birth of Mary. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. You're, you're, you're saying, okay, so, um, you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon her. Gabriel is the one that said it's going to be the Lord. And then John the Baptist leaps in his mother's womb because of the Holy Spirit as the prophet that comes before Jesus, because every great thing that happened had somebody that came before proclaiming the way right. of the one that comes behind him. And, and so either way, the witnesses of Christ was the Holy Spirit to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then he got baptized by water. So there was the water witness mm-hmm. and then the blood of Christ witnesses through his sacrifice, through his, his atonement. Correct. So we have the birth of Christ, the, you know, the, 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 the perfect birth, hundred percent God, hundred percent man. Yep. And then you, you have the baptism of the old life is now passed away. I'm no longer alone. I'm now in right relationship with Christ, which you just quoted Jesus reaffirming with his disciples. You guys were washed clean when you were immersed into this new story because I came to be immersed as the way, the truth, and the life to where now the blood sacrifice of what's already been paid frees you from the fear and the worry and the, the, the anxiety of, and then you're going to die. You're going to die. If you're eternally born again by the blood of Christ, you have to enter by the water and the spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right there in John 3, yep. and that's the original invitation into the story. And, hey, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Yep. And that which is born spirit is spirit. The question is, which story are you in? Because here's the story about the spirit. It's yeah. kind of like the wind. It, it comes and you can feel it and you know that it's going somewhere, but you don't know where because you're not God. Yeah. And you're not responsible. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a beautiful story because now I don't have to come up with a fake story every day. Amen. I don't. On my bad days, he loves me, and I feel the the weaker child always feels the mother or father's love more because they need it more. The child that seems to be doing okay, the parents kind of say, okay, Johnny's got it together already, and they don't receive that love inside of their suffering, and God's saying, why would you cover the thing that would allow you to feel my love? Right why would you pretend? So it's not, oh, you hypocrite, you're a liar. It's more of your, why would you turn away in the time that I've created a great gospel for you to understand? There's your true prosperity. Why? Because you're going to have a whole lot more suffering than you are new watches or phones. Right. Whatever it is that, you know, distracts you to feel good for a day, at the end of the day, we know the other foot's going to drop. That's the old saying, right? I mean, when yeah. things are going too good, you know it's going to go bad again. Well, how about it's left, right, left, right, and no matter what happens, God has already secured me in the rest of the story. Yes, which I think is, a, and there's, I just kind of happened upon it here, but we're talking about, uh, this is a little further on in John 16, but when Jesus gives the illustration, he says, when a 
When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy. No one will take your joy from you. So I think that's interesting that like when we look inside of it, that we know that this isn't our home. We know that this isn't where we're supposed to be and that, yes, there will be sorrow inside of it. But there is joy inside of, you know, you can find joy inside of life as well. But we we cling to the promise that one day we will be in the presence of God and we won't be separated and we will be free from sin. And we can enjoy the relationship that we were created for. And God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth for us to dwell in the fullness of what he He what he ordained to be to uh, from the very beginning. And it's beautiful because we get to rest in that. And we're not the hero of the story. We don't have to put the burden on our shoulders to 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 make that happen that God's going to make that happen and we get to be a part of it which is that's the invitation part it's like we're already working we're already have all these things to do and as soon as you walk in the door God's gracious enough to give you an assignment and give you things to do so that you can be a part of it too so when the whole thing happens yeah was it God's plan was it God's purpose absolutely did I did we all take part in it as well Absolutely. And it's beautiful. We get to share in that because God, and that goes back to God's communal essence. And if, and if it goes back to God's communal essence, then it is by nature, it is not selfish. God's essence. God is love. Yes. That should be an amen. Okay. God is love amen. And, and God is light. Yes. Amen. And God is life. Amen. So all of that is communal or you don't have it. Correct. <laughs> so if, if, if you are not in community with the God that created everything, then you're separated from him. That's right. the sinful condition. Yes. If you rejoin him, that's what was prosperity, the state of being prosperous. You want to know that the state of being prosperous is in right relationship with God. Amen. Through this invitation done by Jesus Christ— so that you can actually enjoy here's 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 what I when you were just speaking. Jesus was one hundred percent Elohim. Yes. God. Amen. All right. So and what I mean by that is he was a pure spiritual being and did not hold equality with God as something to be grasped, and he was born by the womb of a woman and was born into his flesh. Philippians two. And then he okay. And then he became one hundred percent flesh, but did not lose the fact that he was one hundred percent spirit. He is one hundred percent spirit and one hundred percent flesh. Yes. Amen. Amen. The good news is, so is Mick, Eric, and anyone listening. Amen. We're trying to remind you and encourage you that you were born of the flesh, but you are created as an image bearer, a spiritual being. The question is, you're being prosperous in right relationship, or it's not. So when I walk around my life inside of this new story, I have to unlearn everything that I was programmed with to start seeing the truth of this story in a way that actually has hope to change me. And that is this. This world is 100% flesh, but the flesh is passing away. Yep. Amen. Everybody knows that story. You're going to physically die. Okay. Amen. And as people physically die, it's just a reminder that, hey, I told you this was going to happen before it happened so that you would know that it's the truth. However, I am a spiritual being that is created 
eternal in his image, and I'm either going to be eternally in my relationship mm-hmm. or eternally outside of right relationship. And the question is, am I in right relationship right now? Now, he created everything in this fleshly world, and everything is going to be returned at one time. And how that all goes together, I don't even have to be responsible for understanding. But when I Amen. see the beauty of God in the sunset, in a sunrise, inside of a beach, uh, you know, the, the waves crescending, or the smile of your wife, or the, the dog that waits for you at the, do- the door, or there are physical manifestations of God's beauty and glory and original intent that is proclaiming his glory and his story everywhere for the one that has what? The spiritual eyes and ears, the ones that are seeing and hearing the story in my relationship with him Mm -hmm. start to actually be 100% flesh and 100% Elohim, spiritual being of God. So if I have been born again of God, of the blood, I have been brought into the restoration of my spiritual self, which could never be alone because spiritual self is in community because the spiritual self is of God. Correct. And I think that 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 is what you just said is found and illustrated in John chapter three, because he talks about seeing the kingdom and then being in the kingdom that like. And the one of the illustrations that popped in my head as you were saying all those things is another thing that you can see God working and it, it's 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 beautiful to see if you're a parent and you like my son he loves the garbage truck like he loves the garbage truck so when the garbage truck comes he's just like he's amazed at it and you know he's like oh man he's like look how cool it is and all this and da 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 and you know th- God allows me to be able to see his his wonder and his bewilderment into life and things that I'm just like, oh, I already know that's a trash truck and all that. But like it's it's this little it's this other little glimpse of we get to take part in the revelation of other people understanding things as they are presented to them. And it, it it's it's beautiful that you that we get to be a part of that. And it's like we get to you get to experience life again through the eyes of a child. And it kind of just reminds you and it humbles you and it brings you back. So because I think a lot of times we get it's 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 easier to get wrapped up in yourself and the things that you have going on to the point that when you have a bad day, you are trying to do everything you can to physically make it a better day or to give it new purpose that makes you feel better, which is only rationalizing and trying to, once again, falling back into the pitfall of making it make sense for you instead of how can this be a testimony of what God is doing in my life. And you stay with a spirit of entitlement. I'm entitled to feel good. God would want me happy. Yeah. Surely God wouldn't do this to me. Right. Um, and guarding of your self-protection. And once again, I, I can't make myself vulnerable because people may know that or they may accuse me of that. Or, But that means I'm living for the opinion of man instead of the opinion of God. Amen. And both matter because if I'm an image bearer of God, it matters what people think. But it shouldn't matter to the point that it costs me my relationship with God. Amen. And when we look at the John 3 through, you know, 1 through 21, you have Nicodemus, which was a Pharisee, meaning he was a religious man. Mm-hmm. He was a ruler meaning he had authority. Mm-hmm. He was considered the teacher. That, that's the way Jesus repre- you know, talks to him at, in verse 9, 3, 9. 
But ultimately, the first seven verses are about the story of the new door, the new salvation, being born again, receiving a new story. Right. Nicodemus turns to him in verse 9 and says, how can these things be? So in other words, once you receive this story that you can be part of, nobody knows how to do it because they haven't experienced it yet. Right. So then you go to a church and ask them, and you got a whole bunch of people that have no idea because they're not living that story, and you get all this conflicting information that literally listen to what Jesus tells Nicodemus. He says, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If what I've told you about earthly things you do not believe, how could I begin to tell you about heavenly things? Mm. So. The problem with going to a church that's not filled with people that are living a new story is they're not telling you how they've seen this through the week and how they've known this relationship all week long because – let me put it this way. How can I tell you about heavenly things if you won't even listen to how it changes the earthly things in right relationship? Mm. But you don't want to hear the testimony of someone that's just fallen in love with a story they don't deserve, and that love has encouraged them to be better tomorrow than they are today, not because I'm trying to get salvation or not because I'm worried about what other people think about me or not. The sole reason is he loves me, and he loved me first, and I get to fall in deeper love with that. And love changes the heart and stops you from being scared yep. and gives you assurance stops you from hiding and start telling the truth, bringing it to the light. It stops you from blaming everybody else, and you can start owning your blame because who cares what anybody else thinks? There is a God, and you will be judged. Mm -hmm. But it's not a judgment like a God that wants to kill everything, or he would have already. Mm -hmm. It's a God that is wanting you to come back, to repent, to return, but you have to choose it so that you know who you are. And if you never do, the story wasn't about you anyway. And in verse 13, he says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descends from heaven, the Son of Man. Okay, so that's not us. Right. That would be what God has done and through Jesus Christ. So that removes me and Mick and everybody else's responsibility. But we get to put faith in what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. But then he gives us a story to hold on to. It's like when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he, he lifted up a pole, basically. You still have it on you know, your medical uniforms with a right. serpent wrapped around it. And it says, if you look unto this, this is back in Numbers, if you look unto this, then you'll be saved. But if you won't look unto it, then you would die of the serpent's venom. Hmm. And he, he goes, it's just like this, that whoever believes in him when he's lifted up on the cross will have eternal life. So you're going to die to the venom of the serpent the serpent being the deceiver and the accuser, mm -hmm. always accusing you of what you've done in the past, always deceiving you about what's going to happen tomorrow. Why? Because it's your version. Yeah. All of that weight comes back in because you're exchanging the truth of God for a lie, and you're exchanging what God has done because either it's not good enough or you just haven't had anybody walk you into just believing that. Yeah. Because God so loved the world that he gave his son, but you have to believe in him or you're already perishing. The whole story is a story of perishing. Right. You were born, you were strong, you got weak, you got old, you died. <laughs> but the scripture says what? As a man inside of right relationship, as he gets older and the, the body wastes away, he gets stronger and stronger in his heart and his beliefs. Yeah. 
he has a sparkle behind his eyes because he knows this is leading unto somewhere. This is not all there is because God didn't send his son to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. Right. Well, what is so it? What by is... grace, he sent them. Go ahead. No, no I was, I was just going to say that like uh, Romans eight is all over like what you're, what you're talking about there. Um, I'm trying to figure out where he, where he says it. What he says is like I can the the suffering that we're going through now can't be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. It's and then that's it. It's like it's all leading it's leading us to hope. And the and the, the closer the the more we wither away, it's it we become more hopeful in anticipation for us entering into God's rest, you know, into into relationship where we will not be bound or separated by the flesh anymore and all those things will fall away and Thinking about where where Paul says in First Corinthians, I think where I understand now in part, one day I'll understand in whole, and I think that that's what it's about. It's about anticipating being with Him and not having to have any of the separation inside of the flesh anymore, and that, and that's beautiful. And you know that it's inevitable, and so there's like this part of you that kind of want that wars against it your entire life, but if you would just give up and surrender to the fact that it's going to happen regardless, I mean, either way, either whether you want it to or whether you don't want it to, it's going to happen. And I, I just, it's interesting that we pick it up again over and over and over again. And when you use the word surrender, which is the word Islam, yeah, yeah. when you say surrender, and I'm, I'm encouraging or inviting people into the gospel, the story of God, Right to surrender to this gospel, to surrender to what Christ has made available from the Father to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you think of that surrender, you're surrendering to the love of God. Yes. Now, I know that I've gone through this with other people. I know you know the answer, so you can either give the answer and then we'll go into it, or we'll, you can give the common answer. But what is the opposite of love? Uh, it, well... People will say hate, but it's not. It's um, apathy. Apathy, not caring. It doesn't really make a difference to them anymore. They, right. they don't care. Yeah, I don't care is basically right. the right answer. <laughs> if you hate, you still love the individual, and it, you just hate that it's not the way you want it. Well, hate, but you still love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, hate almost kind of invokes some sort of like jealousy in a sense, and that is still – jealousy is a part of love. You wouldn't be jealous of something that you didn't love. Right. Indifference, you don't care. It yeah. doesn't make you jealous anymore because yeah. you don't care. Right, right, right. So now, go, I, can tell you there's, I can tell you there's a story of indifference, and it's the kingdom of darkness doesn't care about you at all. No. <laughs> you, 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 can, you can live however you want to live, and you can live with everybody else with indifference, and you can be just as individualistic and Western and materialistic and cut each other's throats. I can promise you this. The dark, kingdom of darkness never even cared. No. Never even cared. <laughs> no. Now, there's a God that says you could enter into my love where I care about everything mm. and I'll teach you how to care about everyone and everything in a new way. You're not going to be good at it. You're going to have to <laughs> learn it, but it's going to single the door down to love. Yeah. So you're going to start to see things through the door, the lens of love. Right. Now that's going to start to change you. Because and, – and just picking up in 319 through 21, it says this is a judgment. The light, the love mm -hmm. of God came into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light yeah. because their works were evil. Mm -hmm. Okay, so all of our works are evil without the light. Right. The light is now the love of God being made available through what he's done. That's the invitation. Right. But everyone who does wicked things and hates the light doesn't come to the light. 
Correct. Lest his works should be exposed. Then so there's the hiding, there's the saying, there's the guilt. Yep. But whoever does what is true, uh-oh, there's doing, mm. comes to the light, which means you're going to bring yourself to the light, to the love of God. Mm-hmm. That way you can clearly see that the works have been carried out in God. Mm. So everything that I bring to him is in the lens, the door of love mm-hmm. and the light of who he is and who I'm becoming. Yes. Now, that is a changing story. Oh, absolutely. I can sit on a bench and think of the most worthless parts of me without being scared of God, without blaming others, and actually receiving the love of God because I trust him enough to go there. Beautiful. I can stop going to the things in this world that distract my mind biologically because I can go to the God that heals the heart and the mind. Amen. I can then talk to people that are outside of the story about how he did that in my life because my struggles become my ministry mm-hmm. because of the story. Right. But it's the love of God. And then Jesus, in John 15, Jesus says, hey, I give you a new commandment. It's not a new commandment. It's the same commandment, but I'm giving it to you in a new way. I'm giving it to you through the door of what I've done. And that's that you would love one another. Luke 6 says, love your enemies. Why? Because they'll know you're different because of your love. Right. So I, well, I, I just want to have one little thought right here. Uh, I think it's interesting. So if we do love covers a multitude of sins, right? But, mm-hmm. but let's read it. Let's let's read it with what sin is. Love covers a multitude of separation. That's exactly what it does, and that's beautiful. It, it covers the separation of God to you. Yep, to others through the love of God, and then the love of you unto others because of God. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, you find out who you are as a self, so you can love yourself yep. because you're now a we. You're not an I. You're, you're not alone. You were never created to be alone. It's not good. But you can connect to the creation yep. and be part of the creation. You can connect to others and be part of what's going on in their life, whether it be good or bad. And literally that is the charge of the church is when one hurts, we all hurt. And when one has joy, we all have joy. Try and pull that off on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, right. Because that's not the story that we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming self-help. Yeah. We're proclaiming you're good and others are bad. We're proclaiming loving us and hating them. We're proclaiming let's go kill everybody in the Gaza Strip instead of our heart breaking about mothers and fathers seeing their children starve to death right now. And I don't care one way or the other, their political views. I'm saying it should hurt our heart that anyone hurts Yeah, because we weren't created for it. Now, that doesn't mean everyone's not going to hurt. Right. What it means is they need the story of God, and they can't know it if we're not telling it. And the reason we're not telling it is we don't think we're good enough because we don't understand the story of God's freedom from that kind of thinking. Right. Hmm. We go to church to get a whole bunch of rules that we can't live up to, and we try and do it in our own power. And, I mean, the prosperity gospel, find it in the Bible. Find me one example that, that, and then God gave him everything. I mean, Job, the very first book in the Bible is about how a man that had it going on and doing right 
ends up having the hardest life that we can imagine, losing all their ch- his children, all his wealth, all of the, it, it had boils on his, his skin. So it doesn't matter if you're laying in the hospital bed listening to us. It doesn't matter that you're, well, it does matter that you're laying in the hospital. God knows, and that's why the story is important. It does matter if family members die. We weren't created to experience that, whether it be the sickness or the death. However, that's what this world is, and we've been sent to be the light in the darkness to be able to understand God knows and loves you, and he knows exactly what it feels like to lose a child. God loves you, and he knows exactly what it is to be made hungry and to watch others die that you wish would come to life. He knows all of those things, and he's inviting you into the same way of seeing and feeling it, which is through love. Right. I have two things for this. If you can actually. say kill them all. Yeah. If I, you can say kill them all, that's, that's sin. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think anybody who is born again would disagree with you on that. So I, I've heard two different, um, two different things. I'm going to try to remember both of them. I have one of them written down. Oh, I forgot the other one already. So anyway, the prosperity gospel, I would say I've heard the argument made that we'll go look in the old Testament, go look at Solomon. God loved, God loved Solomon. He gave him all kinds of stuff. He had all kinds of, he had wisdom. He had stuff. He had wives. He had this, he had that. And I was like, yeah, but if you keep reading in the daggum story, Solomon's like miserable. But but that's the one of the objections that I have heard before because we actually had someone that we knew and they were promoting the the prosperity gospel in a sense and they were like all the people that were in right relationship with God had nice things just look at the Old Testament that's all you got to do but I and then the other thing that I was going to say is um, I just remember thank you Holy Spirit that um, that God has even Jesus even experienced. Um, separation. So like, uh, because when, you know, on the cross, he, he did experience, he experienced it to the full extent. So we have, you know, where people get in that, that mindset of like, God's forgotten me or, you know, like, I don't like, I'm not important to God or anything like that. When we go through that emotion as well, that Jesus did, Jesus did experience that. And I don't want to, if I, if I'm saying something wrong, please you know, say the Lord rebukes me on that one, but I was just trying to give more encouragement inside of any per any trying to give encouragement to someone who may be in that place right now. The whole Bible is about what, Vic? Uh, the presence of God. Okay, the glory of God, and you know that in His presence for sure. Mm-hmm. It's all a revelation of who God is and right. how great He is in glory. Amen. And. Everything in this world in right relationship is good. Yes. It's inside the, 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 the function for which it was created. Mm-hmm. It is leading to worship of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so the creation is not the, the, the problem. God is not the problem. <laughs> that only leads us. And when you look at any example of people that had monetary goods, and Solomon, once again, is a, the, the premier example, mm-hmm. He asked for wisdom to be able to lead the people of Israel, and God saw his heart and knew that it was true, because mm-hmm. God knows everything, Right. and he blesses him to be the wisest man ever. Yep. But it literally says, and then he decided in this brilliant mind to test all of the things in the world, mm-hmm. and it was all vanity. Mm-hmm. It was all worthless. Yep, underneath all the right? sun. And it ends up, making him suffer more 
because of the good things and destroys his name and the nation of Israel. But the spirit of God, the, the, the spirit of God wasn't given like it is today. So I need to be careful with that. But the blessing of God of being the wisest man ever in right relationship with God never left him. And he struggled with everything he did because it wasn't good enough because the truth of God's story was in him. Mm. It didn't matter how much he built. He still wasn't good enough. Didn't matter how many women he had. Still wasn't good enough. It didn't matter how many parties he went to. Still wasn't good enough. It was all vanity under the sun because only the eternal could fill his heart because of what God had already given him in his mind. Now, the story is today for us, a renewed mind through the work of the heart being changed by God, Mm -hmm. then allows this world to become, if you got great things, do great things with them for God and others. Yeah. If you start making your relationship about your things and judging God off of that, well, we're back to Job. I mean, Job's three friends, his first friend comes in Job 4, 7 through 8, and he comes up to Job and he says, look, man, who was it? that was ever innocent that ever perished or where were the up tell me where the upright were cut off as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. So what is, what is his friend telling him while he's down and while he needs somebody to love him, they say, I mean, if you're innocent, you're fine because only those who do bad are going to go to hell. Right. Well, mm, I I think we hear the same, we we hear the same thing in the church today, but literally the Bible says no one is innocent. No, not one. Yep. Romans three. You can go look it up. Um, literally God, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah if I could find 10 innocent people? And God's like, yep. Cause there's nothing. There is none. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But God wanted to know he was listened to. God wanted him to work through his relationship and his story. God was allowing him to fall in love with who he was inside of his petition. So prayer does matter. Mm -hmm. But ultimately the the first friend is like, I mean, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Well, I know a lot of people that are good by man's standards, uh, yeah. but aren't in God's story. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people that are in God's story that you would look at and say, oh, my goodness, they're just strugglers and they're always messing up. But I'll tell you this, if you'll talk to them, they'll, God will come up in the first two sentences. Yeah. A lot of times the more successful people, the less you hear about God. Yeah. Because suffering is the universal story. Hey, Solomon, I'll give you everything. It's going to lead to so much suffering. Just wait. Yeah, I bet he didn't the second see that friend, the second friend, Bildad. Yeah. See, God will not reject a blameless person or take the hand of evildoers. Once again, God's not going to come to you. And if you're a bad person, come to you, but he's going to go to good people. Now, that's us and them ideology again. Yep. That's that's me deciding and judging who I should love and who I should hate instead of loving everyone. Isn't that? No, it doesn't I was going to ask, isn't doesn't that have to do with um, Jesus where he talks about in John 3 um, ascending and descending? Like no one has ascended into heaven except he who's descended from heaven, the son of man. Isn't that where, don't we kind of get like where he's basically, where Job's friend is basically saying like, oh, those people go, you know, to heaven, those people go to hell or whatever. And Jesus is saying like, we're not even supposed to think that way because it's not up to us. It's definitely not up to us, and the only thing that can happen is it distract us from who we are. It could distract us from our story, right? And it, but it creates which is exactly it, what you're saying. Yeah, it creates the separation, and that's what we're talking about. Like that's the sin there. That's that's the creating the separation. It's like no, it's God's creation, and He wants to redeem all of it. 
like that's the whole point he's calling all of it unto himself now he knows everything he knows not everyone is going to accept him and not everyone is going to um, surrender to him and not everyone is going to acknowledge what jesus did on the cross for them but at the end of the day his desire is still that they would come to the saving grace of knowledge of who yahweh is blessed be his name and whom he sent his son jesus christ so he says god will not reject the blameless person or take the hand of evildoers and i said that us and them ideology i misspoke because it was like we would decide or judge discern who we love and hate right um actually off of what we already built out earlier if i hate it can still be because I love you. Yeah, I can right. hate, like John says, you're going to learn to hate your mother, your brother, your sister, your dog, your cat, and even your own life because <laughs> there's things that you hate because you love your mother, your father, your brother, your dogs, even your own life. Amen. So love and hate is not a, a good or bad thing. That's part of the story and the lessons. Right. But to become indifferent, and not care what happens to the people that are around me. There we go. To just drive by and not even think twice because they're not in my life and they're not in my story. They're irrelevant. And that is the opposite of love. Yes. The third friend comes up and says, man, if iniquity's in your hand, put it far away. Don't be reckless. You know, surely he'll lift up your face and you'll be secure. Don't fear. Your life will be brighter than the noonday. Mm. So in other words, you could put him in your debt. If you would just start doing, pull yourself up, do these seven steps. You know he loves, he'll, he'll, he has to do that. And it's like, I don't think there says anywhere in the Bible God has to do anything. Right. Does God care that you do right? Yes, of yeah. course. If you do right, I'll bless you. There, there's definitely, there's promises inside of there. But ultimately, if your motive in your heart, which God sees, mm-hmm. is I'm going to do this to get that. Uh, I mean, as parents, you see your kids do that and you don't reward them. Much less a God that you are like totally disrespecting and acting like doesn't exist and then playing mind games like he's not laughing. Psalms does say he laughs at the wicked. Yes. Like he's not laughing at you because that's your decision. Right. But that, but I, the I, reason you're, go ahead. But, Sorry, finish your thought. You know, the reason you're doing that is the selfish gospel. It's the, the good news that if you do right, you'll get good and everybody will see you as good and you'll get everybody's affection and you'll get all the things of the world and you'll have the love of the money and the trinkets and success. But John 1, 2 says, but the love of the Father won't be in you. So it's not a good trade. Right. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Not, okay. not exactly like word for word that, but I was going to say that, that is, that's a symptom of the selfish gospel is you're thinking this is this it goes back to it's all about me and da 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 and da, da 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 and well this is the way that I look at it and blah 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 like I hear a lot of people a lot of people say that and the question I keep coming back to is I have I have learned so much by seeking after what God means when he says something versus what I want it to mean when he says something and everything he says has to do with relationship correct he is relational in his nature, and it means that it's how to better connect with him, others, to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you say you better get baptized, you're going to go to hell. That has nothing to do with anything but self-protection. Absolutely. You're protecting yourself, and you're doing it to put God in his place to not hurt you. If you have a wrecked car and you bring kids out there and say, you could die in a car wreck right now, and you're teaching fear and self-protection, it's heretical. And you will answer at the throne of God for it. 
because you're not inviting them into no matter what happens, God and his word is secure. Yeah, you're not inviting you can them. Have peace. But you're not inviting them to the promise of where God says, I will never leave and never forsake you. That's assurance. That's comfort. That's not that's not fear based. Jesus in his story taught his disciples that I'm gonna give you my peace. And my peace isn't like the world has peace to where you don't get in car wrecks and things don't happen to you. Right. My peace is as these things are happening to you, you'll have shalom. You'll have communion. And I can testify to this because I just hit another deer with my vehicle. And I just got my car back three weeks ago. And the one thing I was telling um, Eric when we were talking earlier, I told him, I said, I had this really weird piece about it. But it, but it was an invitation into deeper intimacy with God. And I thought that that was, that was super cool. And it motivated me to, I was, I was, I was thankful, which is really odd, but I mean, it sounds odd to the, to the person who's, you know, not in the gospel or whatever, but I was thankful. I mean, I I was thankful for, for that because it was the peace to go through something, not to get out of it. And you get to be honest and be pissed while being thankful. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, in other words, it's not like if I say that I'm upset, I lose my peace. Because most people play that, well, and then the bad things won't happen to you. Or if, and it's like, no, no, literally my peace is as I became sin, separation, who knew no separation, I still had peace because I was in the story and the will of God. Right. Because he knew that. Because when I brought it to the light, all things are being carried out in God. It's the works that He laid before the foundation of the earth for me to walk in. I have an author of my story if I pay attention to Him and His love, mm. and He would lead me like a shepherd and have me lie down in still waters. Amen. Instead of what I've done all the way up to that point. Right. When I think it, which is trying to write my own book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives you. But it gives you boldness to go proclaim the gospel. It gives you the boldness of like Stephen. So like I even think about this, like while you were talking, I thought about in Acts, I think it's chapter seven, where Stephen is basically just reciting the Old Testament to uh, the Jewish people and they end up stoning him. And Jesus shows himself to Stephen and it gives Stephen the encouragement that he is his his Lord and his Savior is greeting him and ushering him from this life into the next one. And it and to to the point where Stephen says he he basically says the same thing that Jesus says when he's on the cross, forgive them for what they have done, because they don't know what they're doing. And I think that, that 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 there's power in that. So there's not power in selfishness and being able to step on the necks of everybody else and wanting them to conform into what you think and into the image that you think is right based upon your understanding of the rules and the regulations. That's not it. Jesus literally came and was trying to tell them like, that's, that's not it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell you, I'm being the living proof and the example of this and I'm inviting you into it so that you can do it too while you rest, rest in the fact that I have finished this work. So it's an invitation that you get to be a part of, that you get to partake in. It's not something that you have to do or otherwise you're going to go to hell and da da da. It's not that. That is, that's not that. That's not a loving relationship. I just want to reiterate that again. That's not a loving relationship. That's not intimacy with God. So let's take that old story and make it very relevant for today. All right. Um, Another parable, and and once again, people will argue whether or not it should be in there, but the woman caught in adultery. Right. One in older manuscripts, but it was for a very long time. So inside of that 
lesson mm-hmm. is if you're about to throw your stones at people that are failing, you might want to ask yourself why you're throwing a stone. Because instead of blaming them and judging them, you might want to be looking at your own heart because you're filled with this malice over your religious beliefs. Because that was that's, that was about. Right. Do you know why they stoned people? Because you started with Stephen. I'm getting back to Stephen. But do you know why they stoned Stephen and they were going to stone the woman caught in adultery? I thought you – did you ask me why they stoned people? Yeah. In other words, why? Yeah, what, what was the significance the, or the purpose of a stoning? The reason of the – I believe – I could be wrong, but the, I'm – I think is because everyone was throwing the stone. So they do not know which stone is the one that killed the person. So they were all kind of guilty and it wasn't an individual that they could say that like Mick is the one who killed Steven with the stone. And that would work with guns. Cause we don't, we can't see bullets, but you can see your stone pretty well. But, but, but yeah, yeah. In, in the, in the old Testament it says to stone people for this or that. And the reason they would cast stones is that way they're, unholiness couldn't get your holiness because you didn't touch them while you were killing them. You were casting it at them because of how unholy they were because you were, you were in right relationship with God and you were getting rid of the sin in the presence of God as God's people. Ah, okay. I'm right that so the, the casting of the stone is for you to be separated to not touch. Cause of course, you know, throughout other teachings, they couldn't touch a, a dead body. Um, the old Testament requirements that the, the requirement for stoning was so that you didn't come in contact with the perpetrator. Hmm. Right. Okay. So here you have a group of men that believe they're the people of God with stones to stone this woman. And Jesus looks at him and says, the one that's not guilty cast the first stone. Right. What does he do? He says, check your own heart and story. Yep. And if you think that you can cast that stone without looking at your sin, your separation, throw it. then <laughs> cast it. Yeah. Throw it. Go ahead. So you have Stephen. Yeah. And you said, you know, Stephen went through basically the whole Old Testament. Yes. Because he had seen a revelation of the risen Christ and yeah. the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus. Yes. Um, that's the story we're inviting everyone into that ever listens to this. Amen. Is through the fulfillment of Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father has now opened the door for you to tell, I don't know, the Bible, because that's the only Bible they had with the Old Testament. <laughs> right. And all he does is live the story that Jesus gave him that he didn't deserve. And when they say, we're going to kill you, he's like, let me tell you this story before you do it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But the religious people with their stones say, nope, kill him. <laughs> yeah. You're challenging the way we do this. Yep. And they killed someone that had what he had seen and what he had known, but they were unwilling to hear his testimony. That's what he gave. And the religious killed him because of the hardness of their own hearts. They were going to do it to the woman caught in adultery. That's why that, that story popped in my head. But when Jesus got to lovingly confront them, watch watch what you see and think and do about others because it's it's re, it's it's revealing something about yourself every time you do it yeah if our eyes were on the story of loving god and loving others to know ourselves better and deeper it almost makes that fall off of you not that it totally not that you ever totally put it away because you're going to run into things that you never knew that you could think or do right. but you don't have to run from him when you do it you get to praise his name that you get to do that, do something with it, with him in the story. Right. Well, there's almost a degree of 
instead of always being comfort comfortable in taking things to God that you've already taken to God, you begin to utter and you begin to say and walk in in this new understanding of I believe, but help me walk in, help me walk into the fullness of my unbelief, which is like, I can't take this to you. So help me walk in the things that the world has told me or religious people have told me that I should be ashamed of, that I can't, that I can't bring to you a loving God who wants an intimate relationship with, with you. Basically they're saying, don't take that to God because that'll make you dirty and, and, and you should be ashamed of that and all this. And I need to be the one who intercedes for you and it's like but that's not what that's not what he's saying he's saying bring all that stuff to me i think about david where he's caught in where he's uh with uh bathsheba and he's caught in you know and uh uriah you know goes out and dies and they have that child or whatever and the and the baby is sick and 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 david is fasting and he's you know before he's weeping before the lord and then once the will is done and the and the, the baby dies and you know, David brushes himself off, but it, like David took that to him, even though he was inside of sin, he still took the pain and the hurt and all those things. He took it to God because that's what God, God is inviting is the invitation. A part of that is bring me those things, bring me those things. And Psalm 139, it talks about, you know, David talks about it again, where like, even in the darkness, when I, even the darkness that I bring into your light, God is not darkness at all. You make you bring light to that. So that's that opens up the door for us to once again be shedding away the things of the flesh and the lessons that we learned before we were born again and to walk into the fullness of what we have been invited into. Which again is losing is dying to the self. So therefore there now we're warring back against the selfish gospel and the selfless gospel. That's the the tension inside of it. But the the beauty of it is, is that you get to come to God with all of those things, and as you are going, they will fall away because you will be loving God more and loving others more at the cost of yourself, which is what Jesus was doing. That's the example that he was setting before us the entire time. And most people's stories eat up with stress and anxiety. Not that we all don't feel stress and anxiety. Absolutely. But inside a right relationship, you get to take your anxiety and stress to God with assurance versus in Matthew 6, where he says, for the Gentiles, those that are on the outside without the story, they seek after all these things. But your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God in right relationship, and these things would be added unto you. Correct. So everything inside of the story of God is this. God's God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to walk up to the front and say, uh, which is prayer that somebody else prays that says, hey, God, um, we're here to let you know that uh, Mick needs salvation. <laughs> I think, and I'm pretty sure God's like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> duh. Uh, I mean, what, 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 what are you doing having a man mediate for you when Jesus is your mediator? Yeah. Not that there's not a value in that, but does God know everything you need? Yes. Yeah, he happens to be God. So if I trusted him to be God and I actually listened and looked for what he's already doing with a grateful and thankful heart, Mm. if you have clean water and you have food and you have clothing, you're supposed to be thankful with that. Absolutely. So what stole that thankfulness? entitlement to everything else that we think we we need right and it's like 
But if you understood the right relationship and that was your story, was that you're part of the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. all the things you actually need will be added to you. So that doesn't mean you can't have steak. That doesn't mean you can't have vacation. It doesn't mean that you can't do anything. It means that the anxiety about tomorrow would be for tomorrow because today you're walking in a story with God and you know that you could be deceived about tomorrow, mm-hmm. and you know there's plenty of people that would love to accuse you, including yourself, of things in the past, right. but who are you to accuse yourself if you're in the story of God? I mean, that was Paul's point, right? Well, yeah, I don't care a... what you think. I don't even care what I think. Yeah, I was literally about to say that. Like, the, the contentment that he has is, and he's not, he's not, like, he testifies about where he came from. He's not doing that because he's, he's doing that because he's thankful, He's thankful that God saved him from where he came from. He's not saying it from like, I think, and I could be saying it wrong. And if I am saying it wrong, then I apologize. I don't mean to steer anyone in the wrong direction, but I was just kind of thinking, going through the thought process here. But he's saying all, he's saying about where he came from because it's a testimony to where God has brought him to. And now he's like, I've had all these wonderful things. And guess what? I could eat steak again, you know, if I'm, if I really wanted to, but like not everything is prosper. Not everything is, is beneficial for you. But at the same time, I'm, I'm thankful that of where I've come from and where I am now. And I am so content because I am in this relationship with God and I am finally walking in my purpose and, and armed and equipped with the promises that God has given to me for me to go out and share with others, because it's about being reconciled back to God and in a relationship with him. And it's made for, I don't know, everyone. This isn't just for the certain sect of people. This is for the great, the mystery of the gospel is that the Gentiles are included in this. And this is like, this isn't some, there is no selfish part of the gospel. And the beautiful thing is, like you were saying earlier, that's where we should be emboldened to bring, to set the table before before us where we have the we me which is you and the holy spirit in right relationship with god and have that conversation with the i me the one who continues to run away from the conversation invite them in love to that conversation so that you can understand how to grow and be better so that you can be back on mission loving god and loving others because you can testify to those to the situations that other people are find themselves in and you can be a living testimony to being thankful that God brought you through that. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you because he didn't just invite me. He, he, the invitation is to everyone. Everybody takes Paul and says, you know, even the scripture says, Peter, he's hard to understand. And who knows what he's talking about? And and they, they build a lot of our, well, St. Augustine built a lot of our logic and reason questions out of Pauline doctrine. Right. But literally, if you go back and you listen to Paul, you want to know why he always said, I'm the chief of sinners, and then he talks about all the good things, and he says, yes, but that's dung, rubbish, crap, compared to this relationship of knowing God through Christ. Right. It's because he could. Yeah. He didn't have to worry about what you were going to say about him, because he (laughs) didn't care. He didn't have to worry about whether or not he was okay. God already said, and his word is eternally true, Son, you're mine. Amen. When you believe that, he started to live like that. Amen. And then what poured out of him was the story of, oh, yes, I am no different other than this great story. Amen. But even in Galatians 6, when he ends up, he says, like, but those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so they can boast in your flesh. Yeah. So in other words, if you're going to church and they're only worried about you going to church so they can have a baptism number, 
and they just want you to conform to who they are, then they're not even doing what they're telling you to do. And you see that Mm. that should be a warning sign that they're not free to be who they are. Mm. Find people that are free to be broken in front of you and still be confident in the word of God. Amen. That's somebody that's, uh, I mean, I I, I can't even remember who it was that was doing it. It wasn't J.D. Greer, but either way, it was was one of the pastors, and he was just saying that stop calling yourself a drug addict or an alcoholic or uh, adulterer. You you may be a believer that has struggled with adultery, infidelity. You could be a believer that struggles with alcohol, a believer that struggles with a certain drug, a believer that's – but as soon as you identify yourself by your actions and your failures – you are not holding on to the story of God that you have been regenerate and changed. Now, if you believe you're regenerate and changed, you can face what you're struggling with in right relationship, but the other way around, it's not available. Yeah. Cause then in 14, he says, but far be it from me to boast in anything except for what Jesus has done through the cross that I can look to by which the world was crucified to me and I to the world for circumcision counts for nothing, nor an uncircumcision, but a new creation going to church and not going to church counts for nothing except for a new creation. Now a church building full of the new created Christian is absolutely powerful in the invitation and design of God. But if it's just about us and them, circumcision or uncircumcision, uh, circumcision, then it's just it's 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 back to division. Yeah. It's it's back to a divided kingdom can't stand. What does he teach? He says, listen, if you come in and you're circumcised, don't get circumcised to fit in. If you're uncircumcised, you know, you don't. It's not about being like man. It's about falling in love with what God has done inside of you right. and then sharing with those that needs their inner man to be changed right and if you're playing this surface level game and you've got all these surface level rules i'm sorry i don't know where that came from but it's not in the bible yeah well, i think and it's... and ultimately a, a new creation says all of those who walk in this rule will have peace and mercy upon them because they're the israel of god right the israel of god is the gentile and the jew laying down their differences, but yet holding on to the way God created them inside of a relationship that says God is more important and the love of God allows me to lay down my biases and lay down my judgment and lay down my opinion, my authority, my, you know, my, my, whatever it is that makes me think that I'm the arbiter of truth. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, a lot of it boils down to control in, in, in a sense because they're, they've used it as um, we talked about it a little bit earlier about the, the fear based. You know, it's if you do this and this and this and this, oh, you're totally out. You got to do it the way that we do it. You got to believe the way that we believe. And if you don't do it that way, well, then you got no business being here. And it's but it's like that's I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't think so, because once again, it's like you're. When people are doing that, they're trying to put them, they're trying to be the arbiter of something. And at the end of the day, it's like, so you're telling me that you don't stumble, you don't, you don't sin, you don't have any of that. There's no separation in your life at all that, you know, because that's something that's not attainable by the person who's even drawing the line in the sand. They've almost, they've almost, um, they've basically condemned themselves by drawing the line in the sand. You've chosen your own separation because you go to a building that tells you you're okay and everybody else is going to hell and you better get out there and tell them they're going to hell. Yeah. 
And, like, and, then you, and then you wonder why you don't have conversations just because you don't have anything to say. But no, well, that and you also you're leading with, so you're going to hell. What do you think about that? Like who, Which means you have nothing to say. Yeah, who would want to enter into a conversation with someone who starts off, hey, I don't know if you know you're eternally damned or not, but let's talk about it. And that's why the church is in the condition it's in is because that has been their approach for the X amount of years that it took. Right. But ultimately, the reason that you can't witness as you're going is nobody can have a different view and you love and respect them through it. Right. They have to come to your view or else you have to separate from them and they're going to hell. Yes. It's us against it. It's that us against them mentality, ideology right. that the believer has to be freed from through the story that God loves all. Yes. Well, and so it's interesting though. We go. We can even use the illustration. So we'll use the illustration in John ten. Jesus says, "I am the door," and then the gatekeeper is the Holy Spirit. Who? So the gatekeeper is the Holy Spirit. I don't read anywhere where it says the gatekeeper is Mick or the Pope or the this or the that. I don't see that anywhere because that's not what the Bible is teaching. It's just not. It's not what it's teaching. And anything that you're trying to make turn, you're trying to turn it into something that it's not. And that in itself, <laughs> in itself, is sin. I mean, come on. <laughs> Uh, it's frustrating, the but spirit. at the same time, I get it. You know what I mean? I've been there, so I'm not going to sit here and condemn everybody because it's a it's a struggle and a learning process. But this is the different. This is the acid test of being a learner or not being a learner, because you're going to eventually your presuppositions are going to be challenged, and when you realize that you got it wrong, and you realize that God was is God's not against you in it. He's doing it so that you can be a part and a mouthpiece for His mission. And for his proclamation of proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it is available to all of us. Stop trying to be a gatekeeper when I already have someone who is holy, who is perfect, who is doing the job infinitely better than you could ever do it. Stop. And you get to be comfortable with being a learner, yeah. which, by the way, is the word disciple inside the scripture. Amen. But it means that you can learn something from someone that disagrees with you. They may say something that... Because you were willing to have a conversation in the love of the story that God has purchased through Jesus inside of the Holy Spirit, which means a spirit that's set apart, that's what makes it holy, right. in right relationship through the Son, which the Holy Spirit empowered and right. raised, mm -hmm. from the Father, who is the mind of God, is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. Inside of my assurance, I can have conversations that I never could have had if I just have to tell you how you're wrong and you better do it my way. And one of the things you're going to run into is, man, that was really good. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> and then, right. and then you have to do something with your story. You know what I mean? Right. In other words, now, now God and the Holy Spirit is saying, well, yeah, what about that? Yeah. And, and, and you're, so that always keeps you growing. I mean, it always right. keeps you mature. It keeps you from taking a place that you know everything. Cause you don't, I don't, we don't. Right. But, that's okay. That's what we were created for is the pursuit and the learning. We were created to be learners, disciples. Right. Well, so I, um, I, I want to say, and, and right here, because this is another testimony to it, inside of one of the conversations we did, and I think I've shared this before, but it's been beautiful because it's been enough time now that it's truly impacted the witnessing of all the things that God has done. And then there were times where I got in disagreements with people about, you know, sinner saved by grace or saint who sins. And I would get into the conversation or the discussion or the argument sometimes of which view was correct. And then when I finally got into the conversation with you, you put it into 
you put it in a, in a new perspective that I hadn't looked at it from before. And then when I sat and I prayed about it and I really began to have the conversation in a, in a new light with new information, I was like, man, I actually, I absolutely was totally wrong. And I was thinking that I was right the entire time. And I saw, you know, the Holy Spirit was very gracious to me to be able to say that like, yeah, but that's the identity. And that's me saying who you are. That's you're basically saying you're, you're one, you want to trade what you think versus what I know. And I was like, Oh man, that's tough right there. But it's, but it's helped me so much in having conversations with other people and being able to just give them a different angle to look at, giving them a different perspective to open up their eyes to it so that we can see the beauty of what God has claimed to us to understand and to learn what he means when he says something versus us just reading it and assigning meaning from through our understanding of the words that we're reading. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to bring us into right relationship with the father through this, through the work of the son. And if, if in my heart, the reason I'm having a conversation is for us to come together from where you are and where I am closer together Mm -hmm. to who God is, then I'm okay with you being mad or upset or whatever. (laughs) If your spirit is one of, well, that's the way it is. And you're wrong. And you're, that's a misinterpretation. And so if it, if your spirit is a spirit of separation or division, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't have to have you agree with me and I can still do it in love. And when you walk away, I'm not indifferent, but I don't have to lose my peace Yeah. because my, my motive to begin with was, and I know that that's probably what you've heard. Have you ever read this? Have you ever thought about that? Now, these are things I've read and had to do business in my heart. There are mm-hmm. things that I've, I've walked through and I'm wanting to hear what you have to say back. It's not like I'm telling you and you better believe it or else you're going out. It's like literally, Hey, have you ever thought about this or yeah. this or this? No, it's this. Well, but what about the people that that doesn't, well, they're just going out. It's like, well, how do you invite them? But they have to do this. I don't, I, God never said you had to do anything except for believe, and that belief would create more and more repentance and more and more. So, I mean, does he have expectations, and is he Lord of those that love him? Yes. Yes. (laughs) But he's not the Lord of those that are of the kingdom of darkness. He is their greatest fear. But at the end of the day, the only thing I've been sent with is, man, have you thought about God's plan lately? Have you ever thought about his story? Well, this, well, great. What, but what about this and this? And as soon as you have a spirit of condemnation and a spirit of separation, right? I'm good to keep talking with you, but I understand that we're not being, uh, what is the word I'm trying to think of uh, out of the abundance? No, the nature of the soul or whatever that was. You're either uh, integrating. We're not integrating oh. into the story. We're disintegrating into opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking anymore because you've already you, you've taken your side and you're not willing to go any further. Right. And I'll know that by the spirit and the language of which you use, right. which is going to be you're right, I'm wrong. Instead of, but have you ever thought about this? And man, that, no, I haven't thought about that. And I, I agree to disagree, or I don't know, and I'll come back. All those are good answers, but as soon as it turns into a anti-mediating, self-ish, one-way conversation. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't know. As, as, as you're going, it just gets easier to hold on to your peace because I wasn't sent to convince everybody that God's God. He is. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. doesn't need me to, to defend him. Yeah. He doesn't need me to be, you know, super warrior. I need to do this or that. He needs me to be free, yeah. to be available to him and available to others. And the only way I can do that is to do business with him as I'm going. Right. I mean, think about it from the aspect of how does he say you have to come to me as a little child. The reason I, I believe one of the reasons he that we have to come as children is because when we go to him as children and we 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 start in, with the understanding of he's a loving father who is for you and he is not against you. So as you go and as you do and as you make mistakes, as you're trying to make your way, you go back to him and he teaches you and he's not crushing you. He's he's wanting to build you better and because he knows you better infinitely better than you know yourself and there's this freedom of going be able to go back to him and be like you know i messed up and i didn't i i didn't do it right and this and that and he basically you know he brushes the dirt off you and he says that's okay well this is this is what we this is what you lost sight of and get back in the game i mean it's for you go ahead no, there is a war, and I mean, it is two kingdoms, and and, yeah. and like you said, the, the invitation is to come like a child, and the reason he uses the familial language, once again, is to, to present with us a story we can wrap our weak minds around, which <laughs> is, when when I was four or five years old, Maverick is looking at the trash truck. He's not like, hey, do you got the rent money? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. And how are you doing on an electric bill? I know we're like $6 short on such and such. How are you doing, Dad? Yeah. No, he, he trusts you to go do that. He gets to look at the fire truck or the, the, the trash truck. Whatever. Um, yeah. but, but you're raising a son, yeah. and eventually he's going to have his own family. Yep. And the trash truck is fun for a season. But, yes, I love you, and no, you don't have to worry about that to begin with. But you have to learn what it means and how to do it because you're like me, and I'm going to send you into the world to make familial impact. So it's, it's, it's the invitation is grace Mm -hmm. and grace unto grace. It's for grace that I am what I am. However, once I fall in love with the I, 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 me, me, me assurance, Mm -hmm. then it's, but I've done nothing for any one individual. I did it for my father's glory to be made available unto the creation. Now go, and that becomes the next chapter of your life at that particular time. And each one of these chapters has buku suffering, oh, certain so certain victories. Mm-hmm. However, you're maturing through being the Israel of God, those who struggle with God and man, yep. because it was God's will when he sent you in the first place. And you fall in love with the fact that you've always been in his hands or you've always not. Yeah, and to fall deeper in understanding, so that you can allow it to flow through you, and you get to be in the kingdom, and you get to be able to share. There's no fighting. God's not the devil's not like oh my god. He had to ask permission from God to do anything that he ever wanted to do. Absolutely. It's about falling in love with God to know to know God and to know yourself. And the only way you're going to do that is to really trust the word of God about the love of God, about the life of God. And that's the story of the God. I mean, that's the that's the gospel that has prosperity, a state and being of growth and, 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 and hope and 
the never ending story. Right. Well, I mean, it's the thing that you, it's the thing that you can enter into and know that your growth is almost, it's eternal. It's not like this, it's not this finite little thing that we're going to, you know, it's not like we have this short amount of time to turn into this thing or otherwise we're completely and totally screwed and then we're just going to be separated from God forever. It's like, no, that's that's not what it is. I mean, like he's given us, he's made a way for us to enter into that and know that it's an eternal story. <laughs> I mean, think about like, we really got to start sitting sitting in front of the words of scripture more and really like, what does God mean when he says these things before we just open up our mouth and we go, well, this is what it means to me. So if you don't agree with that, you're out. It's like, I'm pretty sure that that's not in there also. Um, uh, it's right there in Genesis three. It's uh, the knowledge of good and evil, yeah. and you believe you're the one that has it, which is exactly <laughs> not following the invitation to be in right relationship. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's not hard. Well, let me put it this way: the more you fall in love with them, it's not hard to see those that don't love you and don't love God. Yeah, it's it's actually not because I mean, at the end of the day, it's. I mean, there's sometimes that I enter into conversations and I point things out with people and I don't say it because I don't want, I don't want to crush anybody because that's, I've, I've struggled with that for a long time and still sometimes struggle with it today um, or to this day. But it it's like, they're basically telling me in a sense, they're saying, I don't like Jesus's gospel. I like my gospel. And I'm like, okay, I mean, if that's what you want, I mean, I guess. And the only thing that I can truly do, the, the the best I could do, at best what I could do is, I mean, of course, pray for them, but put a rock in their shoe for them to think about something later on as they are going. And then you'll know if it was effective or not because they'll come back up to you and they'll probably initiate the conversation or they'll completely and totally just write you off and you won't have to worry about it anymore because they won't want to have conversations with you. They will, they will fall into the deception of us versus them. Oh, he's a them now. He's not a part of us. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that that also is sin, and that's what the devil wants you to do. Because if once you separate the two from, you know, once it's us versus them, that's the fastest way to apathy. They're not a part of us, so therefore, I don't have to worry about them. Uh, congratulations, you just fell for the bait of Satan. And God. When God sends us and he says, lo, I'll be with you forever, Matthew 28, mm -hmm. he's got to be enough. And, and when he's enough, that means you can go through seasons in the desert yep. and you can feel like you're all alone. Yep. But one of the lessons of the desert for me, instead of just saying it's right or wrong, that one of the lessons of being in the desert where it feels like you're all alone is you learn that that's okay. Yeah. And once you're okay with being alone with God, mm -hmm. then you can be a better husband because you don't need from your wife what God provides, although that's what you're created there to be and receive from your wife. Right. It's okay that people at work flare up and don't want to hear it. That's okay. That's okay. And I would even encourage you don't even have to put a rock in their shoe Church discipline was to turn the person out so Satan could have his way. So right. if, if they're if they're stuck inside of their theology, and that could be ignorance or stupidity, so they could be an unbeliever professing to be a believer, which would be pretty stupid eternally. 
Or they could be ignorant, which means they've just gone to church and been taught, we do this and we're right and everybody else is going to hell. Right. That's going to fail them in the long run. Yeah. Um, an older person that I started working with just a little while ago said, you know, when he went home and he told his dad that he became a believer, his dad's first words to him were, son, that makes me so excited and so sad. Hmm. And he was like, dad, what do you, what do you mean? You've gone to church all your life. And he's like, yes. And I'm excited that you know the Lord, but it breaks my heart how his professing people are going to treat you like garbage. Hmm. And it's like, that's what's going to happen with the way church has been done. Unless we start to make loving each other and being there for each other, the criteria that makes us pour our intentional intimacy into so as you're going, you are the church, and as you're going, when either Satan puts the the, the, the the rock in somebody's shoe and you get to be there to lovingly counsel them with questions and using yourself as an example and then speaking, you know, when if they ask you a direct question, you give them a direct word, yeah. and then let, let the world do what the world does, but we – we don't have the power to convince somebody. We have the power to be lovingly and be the truth. Right. And Jesus came with love and truth. Moses came with the law. There, there's the law of, of God. Yeah. And there are there. There's a need for intimate community inside of the believers. And I mean, so like, if I asked you how many friends you think the average person, true friends, the average person has in their lifetime. Three. Everybody will say less than five. Yeah. In other words, I, I, I can count them on one hand is how most people will say it, right? <laughs> yeah. So why do we think that you can have 300 people in church that really love each other and do life together, and that's what God intended? Or did he intend for three or four families to grow up together and really, really care and love each other? Because that's what they did in the Bible. Right. And then they would get together, these families— and celebrate at the park or a location. Yeah. Of course, the tabernacle was already, uh, the temple was already up and running. So they would go worship the one true God inside of what they had all week. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, and then I have to go to a small group on Tuesday night. I mean, they literally lived in proximity of each other. And when one had to go to the store, they dropped their kids off as they were going. And they loved to see the kids because they were part of their family. Mm-hmm. And then when they came, they love seeing each other because there's not that angst that you have as you're going at work around people that are confused or, uh, you know, adversary, adversarial, adversarial. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's that's being out in the world in the darkness as the light. But it is good to have a handful. You're blessed of people that have heard you really admit your struggles oh, and then not be like, Oh dude, you're going to hell. Did you know that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and instead of like being this judge that you already have a judging spirit that you're trying to come to terms with in the Holy spirit and regain yourself. In other words, to restore your spirit, your soul, we are to have others, but I, I don't, I mean, even in the 12 disciples, there was the three, right. And I'm sure the other, what does that mean, nine, yeah. had you know dynamics that were drawn together by God. But to tell all twelve, they got to sit down and listen to a lesson. Yeah. I mean, I, and and that was going to would be what changed them. When you say one of us hurts, we all hurt, right. and you can't even get people to come to church. Hmm. How 
How are you going to achieve that? And everybody will say amen. In other words, they look at the scripture and they say yes to what is said. But we're so far away from realizing that we need each other because the material world and the individualism have made us not need each other. And the kingdom of darkness is the only one that would do that because the needing each other is, man, we don't have any bread or spaghetti, but Hannah and Mick do. Yep. And then two weeks later, we may have whatever and others don't. Yep. But it's not an inconvenience because you already know if they knew that you didn't have it, not only would they want you to come eat it, they'll bring it to you. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If they see something that they have to talk to you about, it's not going to be in a judging spirit. It's going to be in a loving spirit of wanting to walk with you. Mm. When you find those people and God draws those people, you need to invest all the time that you can have into those people. And this, once again, starts with the covenant of marriage. If if it's if that's not the foundation of learning this, then something's broken. Something needs to be done about it. Yeah. Now, that there's a wide spectrum of ways to fall in love with God's story and, and, and turn to him. But at the end of the day, if you can't trust the people around you, is that because of you? Because mm. most of the time it's going to have to be, right? Yeah. Because if you trust the wrong people, they're going to quickly let you know that you can't. Yeah. It doesn't take long. And then you would separate yourself from those people. Right. Well, then you start assigning it. You start assigning what someone else has done to you to everyone's character. To protect for, with inside of self-protection. Correct. You do that because you're protecting your own view, which is exactly the person at work that's not willing to have a conversation, and you're doing it in your own life. Instead of, okay, that person has proven that I cannot depend on them. I can still love them inside of the right relationship of distance, but I can't let them be my brother or sister in Christ right. because they proved that I can't. Now, I have to openly allow the next person to do the same thing to me right? because the next person may not do that to me, and I may gain a brother or sister in Christ, which is invaluable. Right. Well, and at the same time, like Jesus, so even though Jesus knew the thoughts of the Pharisees and the scribes, did he still enter into conversations with them, even though they were conjuring up ways to kill him? Yes. Yes, he did. He, st- he still had the conversations. If that's Romans eight twenty nine, if that's the will of God to conform into the image of Christ, then why do you think that you are not allowed or you, you're not, you don't have to do that? That's not, that's not true. That's not what it's about. Once again, that's going back to the selfishness. It's like, well, they don't do anything for me. All they do is end up costing me or causing me or this or that like okay well you're doing that because you want to preserve yourself you are trying to save your life and jesus promises that you will lose it but if you're willing to lay it down then god is able to bring you back up because you have the same spirit that resided on christ as he was here and he was about god's business that's why he was willing to lay down his life because he knew the promises of his father so he walked in the fullness of those promises to make an example for us so that that way we were without we were without um, excuse. I mean, I, I think it, it's in John. It's in John six, fifteen somewhere. Where, where yeah, it's in John fifteen where he actually where Jesus actually says like the way that the way that these people are acting are only confirming the word that I've already spoken. They're they're only they're only they're only just making they're solidifying the truth claim and it and that's the evidence that what I said to you is true by what they do with it. 
So don't do that because that's what I'm, I'm telling you that we don't, you're not, that's not the way we're supposed to walk. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is selflessness. That's what it leads to. But he didn't get mad at him and tell him they were going to go to hell. No. He challenged him and then he dusted off his feet and he went back to the 12. Yep. So let's look at the story of the 12 inside of this world that hated him and is going to hate you and this world of religious people that have their own view and aren't going to be able to hear anything different because that's what they've believed in. Right. And what did Jesus do? Jesus challenged individuals and then the individuals that the spirit of God had respond to him. Mm -hmm. He said, come with me and spend time. Yeah. He ends up with 12 misfits that hate each other Mm -hmm. by earthly standards But instead of hating each other, they were willing to change their minds to love each other because the love of God and his story that they invite them into, which is the same thing that we are to do with our life. Love the story of God where you're at. Invite everyone with an open hand. When they scar you, close your hand. It doesn't mean you can continue to get hit and hit and hit, and that's what God wants you to do. Mm -hmm. It means even though you keep getting hit and hit and hit, it's not going to defeat you. Keep your hand open, but, well, keep your hand open to new opportunities, but do it wise. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Understand they're wolves, and you're a sheep. You can't continue to let them bite you all the time, but you have to be willing to be bitten. Yeah. So you go as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of spiritual worship. As you do that, and you're totally... You learn because nobody, you learn to be more and more open, universal to everyone. Mm-hmm. You may end up with people that are called to be your best, most closest, intimate brothers and sisters in Christ that you would never have even talked to had Christ not brought you into his story. Amen. Because that's in the gospel. Yep. I mean, you had you had a zealot that hated the the Romans. You had Matthew, which had traded the Jews for the Romans. These were people that, by the earthly standards, would have hated each other to begin with. Right. But because they went and spent time with each other inside of the story of God, which was greater than the story of the world, they were willing to enter into those conversations. They were willing to enter into those relationships. They were willing to, man, I can't wait. And you know what? It's Tuesday night. What are you guys doing Thursday night? Well, three of them say, I could be there. Well, let's get together. And it's not a challenge to the ones that can't come because I don't know, you actually love each other and you're not threatened by each other. And then, but, but you want to be there. Right. I was good. I was, we, we, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. you go ahead. We, we need that. And, and the world is taking it away with entertainment and entitlement. Right, right. Well, I was also thinking about the what what Jesus does with the woman at the well, where she's like, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, what are you even doing talking to me? And, you know, he sends the disciples away to enter into this conversation with this woman. So once again, but she's thinking, she's thinking one way, you know, she, she's thinking one way, and um, he... He's still, you know, having this. But what it turns into is the woman goes back into her town and she goes, come and see the man that told me everything about me. So it turns into this beautiful thing. But Jesus meets her and she's thinking, you know, like you're a Jew. I know how Jews treat Samaritans. So why would you even want to be a part of, you know, why are you even talking to me? And at the end of it, what is it? She's calling all of the people in her town to come to Jesus. It's beautiful. That's that's kind of the point. (laughs) 
and and something happens in between that in the story. He literally says, "The Jews know where to worship, and they're right. Yep. You don't know where to worship. Yep. But those who I'm calling will worship in spirit and in truth." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, Maverick walked in. And he that, jacked me up. Oh yeah, I, I heard him. <laughs> but he, I mean, either way, to worship in spirit and truth is the reason you keep your hand open, and those that are born again of spirit and truth will be those that are looking to encourage and to warn and love and willing to have conversations that others won't. Yeah. And then God will lead you to those that are spirit of truth. And then all of you will be sent into your worlds to say, man, let me tell you about this story about a God that sent a Messiah that was anointed to open up a way that we didn't deserve by grace. And he told me everything I ever did and I didn't have to hide it anymore. Yeah. Beautiful. That it is time for you to go spend family time. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, it is to be fair, but I mean, I was just finishing that. So let's ask the question. We, we don't ever, we don't ever close out an episode without asking the question. And you were you were kind of going pretty good there, so I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm all for it." Um, but the question is: So, what are we hoping and praying that people will take away from this conversation? There's only one gospel of God. Amen. That is the warning and invitation to enter into the story that He's made available. Absolutely, it's one that will bring. An assurance that allows you to be broken, Mm. but have hope of what he's doing in that brokenness tomorrow to where you believe that you can be a better person tomorrow than you are today. And you're willing to do what it takes today to see the results tomorrow. But there's going to come the cost of doing it. And there's going to come the cost of others not liking what you do. There's going to have hard conversations of things for you to lay down and things for you to pick up and nobody gets to tell you what those are because Mm -hmm. the story of God and the spirit of God will lead each and every one of us into that in a different way inside of one true story. And at the end of the day, I mean, love is falling in love with the story. Amen. That doesn't mean you won't hate it, (laughs) hate parts of it. But as you go through your hate and your argument, God never loses. He always wins, Yep. <laughs> but he's also faithful. And if you're faithful to return to him, he's faithful to be there. Amen. So you no longer have to live in fear. You no longer have to carry your guilt. You no longer have to blame others. You can own up to your blame. You can have assurance and you can bring things to the light hmm. because you've been invited to do so. Hmm. Amen. I'm, I'm all for that. Well, with that being said, we would like to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We hope that you have taken away information that will help challenge what you believe for the benefit of growing in our walk with God. If you would like to support this ministry, you could join us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash faithfleshedout. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at faithfleshedout. If you have any questions or comments or want to get involved, you can contact us at our email at faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for joining us, and we love y'all. Do me a favor, say bye, Eric. Fire. All right, we'll see y'all next time.